0: This morning we're reading from the gospel according to St. Matthew in the 13th chapter. Beginning in verse 24. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody else was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. "'And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, "'Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, "'but gather the wheat into my barn.' "'Then he left the crowds and went into the house, "'and the disciples approached him, saying, "'Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field.' "'He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. "'The field is the world, and the good seeds are the children of the kingdom.' The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will collect out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. My grandfather Miller, we called him Grandpa Charlie, had a knack at fixing things. He was born in 1903. So as he was coming of age, so were the automobile and the airplane. He was enamored with both. He was so very interested that he saved up his money And went and took flying lessons. He became a barnstormer. He had his own biplane. He had a buddy named Shorty. Shorty would walk on the wing of the plane. It sounds crazy, but history tells us wing walkers were not all that uncommon. They would fly around the Midwest. And one would be the pilot. The other walk out on the wings and do shows for people. Well, on one trip, Shorty went with a different pilot. Not my grandfather. They were flying in the... Chicago area an error was made and he fell off the wing He had a parachute, but he landed in Lake Michigan and did not survive He was to be the best man at my grandparents wedding My grandmother convinced my grandfather That if he was going to marry her this flying business would have to stop He decided she was more important than flying, and they got married. So he got very interested in automobiles. He had a knack for diagnosing and fixing automobile engines. He and one of his friends pooled their resources, opened a garage. They were doing really quite well, late 1920s until the end of 1929, And the stock market crashed, and the economy crashed, and by the early 1930s, they were really having to struggle to stay in business. They were having to watch just every penny. And then one afternoon, my grandfather's partner went to the bank, withdrew all the money they had made, and had left, and left town that night, never to be seen again. Jesus says that can happen. That can happen. He says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. Sometimes when we're working hard to do our best, someone else comes along and messes things up. Sometimes we're at our job and we're doing our very best. We're working as hard as we know how and someone else undermines us and things go awry. Sometimes we could have been married for years. We think our marriage is going along fine and then our partner betrays us and all of a sudden it's like the weeds are winning. Things are beginning to go wrong. There's weeds everywhere and divorce happens. Jesus says there's evil in this world. Sometimes our lives are going along just fine and dandy. And then someone we love and hold close is tragically killed. And it feels like an enemy is attacking us. It feels like something is horribly wrong that maybe there's an enemy and all of a sudden it feels like there are weeds everywhere. There are people in the world that do not will the good for others. There are people in the world that look to hurt other people, to attack other people, to take things that could have been good and try to turn them to bad. What are we to do? What do we do when we find ourselves in one of those situations where we feel like an enemy is attacking or the weeds are taking over? Jesus gives us some advice Jesus says, do not attack the weeds. Did you hear that in verse 29 when the slaves come and say, we, we see the weeds, we better go pull them up by the roots. And Jesus says, no, no, leave the weeds to grow. For if you go and pull up the weeds, you're going to uproot the wheat as well. In a theological context, Jesus is saying there is good and evil in the world. Though they're both here in this passage and in others, as he explains this parable, he talks about this age and the age to come or the end of the age. And he paints a contrast between the two. And he says in this age there is evil. Things are going to go wrong. There are going to be bad times. But in the age to come or at the end of the age, God is going to make all things right. God will take care of everything, Jesus says, at the end of the age. The good news is that justice will be done. God will make all things right. We heard that in that last hymn we sang before our prayer It is well with my soul. You know that Mr. Spafford had to be grieving deeply when he was writing those words. He had lost four precious daughters. And yet he's saying it is well with my soul because he had faith that God was going to take care of him and that God would make all things right. But if you've had that experience recently, it doesn't really feel like good news to say don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it later. It doesn't always feel like good news to hear that maybe the enemy that did this is gone. That all you have to deal with are the weeds growing up. The evil deeds are there before you. The impact of what someone else did is there. So what do we do? What strategy does does Jesus give us if we're not to attack the weeds? If our impulse is to attack the weeds. But Jesus says, no, what's the strategy here? The parable says we are the good seed. Those of us who want to follow Jesus, who want to be a disciple of his, we are the good seed. He says we're not the sower, that's the son of man. Someone else will take care of that. We're not even the reapers. He says angels will come at the end and be the reapers. He says no, those who want to be children of the kingdom, those are the good seed. Those who want to be a follower of Christ, good seed. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be a disciple of his. I want to be a part of the children of the light, children of the kingdom. He says, then you're the good seed. So your job is to grow like good seed. We're to produce good things. We're to be people who bear goodness in the world. The wisdom here seems to be that if we go around working on the weeds all the time, if we focus on The evil that we do not fill our purpose of embodying goodness. We do not bear good fruit if all we do is focus on evil, is focus on the weeds. I've been telling you about Trevor Hudson's book. I put the title in your outline here again, Discovering Our Spiritual Identity. The subtitle is, Practices for God's Beloved. And in each chapter, one he has on overcoming evil we'll use today. But in each chapter, he talks about ways we can practice our faith, how we could overcome evil and embody goodness, if you will. I gave you four practices last week with the parable. I just have three today. The first practice that he suggests to us involves some writing. Often as Christians, when we're writing, we call it journaling, journaling. So what he calls this one is journaling your inner struggle. He says he recognizes there's times when we do face evil. Sometimes when we're even tempted to retaliate or to do evil. He says we need to face those times but not face them alone. We need to ask for the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to come up and help us to, for the presence of the risen Christ to come and lift us up. He gives an example of this kind of struggle he was having once with his wife he says his tendency is to compulsively work to sort of escape the conflict at home he would just work some more and he said he was really struggling with that that he and his wife were struggling and he was working more and more but one day he decided he needed to face it and so this is what he suggests in terms of the journaling is that you sit down and write out what you're facing that you Write exactly down what the evil is or what the temptation is. And then you write a prayer that you can use asking God to come and help you face that. He shares the prayer he wrote that day when he was struggling with his wife. It reads like this. Dear Lord, I turn again to you with empty hands. Thank you that you understand temptation from the inside. Today, I need your strength and wisdom. I cannot handle these destructive forces within my life on my own. Without you, I'm defeated. Please, come to my aid. Empower my will to choose life strengthen my capacity to love and show me how best I can reach out and bridge the distance between Debbie and myself. He said he wrote the prayer, read it over several times, and then he says later that day he felt prompted to reach out to his wife again, but this time he felt like not just in the conflict, but that he had the presence of Christ reaching out with him. He said, that would be a good practice. It might make all the difference for some of us. The second practice we can use to embody goodness and overcome evil is to practice self-giving in the face of injury. He says, so often when we feel wronged or we feel injured, what we do is kind of harbor resentment. We kind of carry that injury around with us, kind of nurse the wound, and it kind of begins to eat us up. He says a good antidote to that is decide that you're going to be in service, that you're going to give of yourself as we're following Christ here and help somebody else who's suffering or in need. So he says, oh, you can do it with a check, but if you're going to do it with a check, at least take it to the person or the organization you're going to give it to. But even better, make time in your life to go actually become involved with someone else who's suffering, who's in pain, who's been injured, and give of yourself as a way to deal with your own resentment. He said that might be a good practice for some of us. The third practice he suggests for overcoming evil and embodying goodness, he calls a blessing day he says declare a blessing day he writes about it this way sometimes we feel justified in withholding blessing from people who have hurt us forgetting that jesus specifically asked that we reach out to them with love nearly always we curse those involved in murders hijacking incidents drug dealing or other criminal activities instead we could make it an occasion For blessing. He said you could say a prayer like this. In that situation. Lord bless that person with the grace of genuine repentance and remorse. You died on the cross for all of us. Let him or her turn to you for salvation. What if we could learn to be a blessing to everyone We encounter what if we decided we wanted to be a person that was a person of blessing Despite the circumstances what he suggests if you want to try that is to declare this blessing day He says start tomorrow He says here are the instructions first thing when you wake up say a prayer to God ask God to fill you with God's Holy Spirit and steadfast love especially his love for other people And then go about your day trying to embody that. He says, remember your family. Don't overlook those closest to you. Leave a note. Do something nice. He said, this is not about going around and touching someone or waving your hand at them and saying, have a blessed day. He said, this is an act of appreciation. So write a note. Send an email. Make a telephone call. Do a simple act of kindness. Open a door. Serve somebody else. Be especially kind to someone who has served you. He says any act of appreciation will do, but go throughout your day and every time you encounter someone, try to be a blessing to them. Even if all you can do is say a silent prayer of blessing that God might bless that person you passed in the hallway or passed on the street. He says then at the end of your day, take a few moments to reflect on how that impacted your own life. Was Christ more alive because of your awareness of trying to extend God's love to somebody else? Did you see Christ maybe become more alive for someone else because God was using you? He said it can make all the difference in the world if we spend our days thinking that God is using us and in faith Do all that we can to be a blessing to someone else. Jesus says in this parable that the judgment part, the divine part, is going to happen. You can count on it. Don't worry. It's going to be all right at the end of the age. But the challenge is to make sure we do our part, to make sure we focus on the right thing, to make sure that we're growing like good seed. Let each and every one of us go forth to embody the goodness of God. To grow like good seed, to do good, to embody goodness. What if each and every one of us left this place determined, declaring, resolved that we were going to spread goodness across our community? Could God use us? Would it make a difference? Might it bring revival? I think so. Amen. And thanks be to God.